You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. I am the closer. This is the fourth sermon series I've closed this year alone, uh, between here and Wednesday nights. And so it's a lot of fun. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor Bobby, and typically I'm over here two steps over, playing guitar oftentimes. Uh, But today, I'm so excited uh, to be able to share the word. And um, man, I'm so excited to also uh, help plan this series and bring it to a close. And uh, looking back this past month, like Pastor Ben said, uh, man, to be able to see all these different perspectives and and to hear from all these different people um, has really benefited me. And I think Mike and and Rocky and Doug, uh, man, you guys have all... Uh, brought different perspectives and different takes on the scripture, and you've helped me see things differently uh, than if I would have just looked at them on my own. And I think uh, that there's something really powerful about that, that it shows the need for community, that people give us different perspectives and different ideas that we might not come up with or see on our own. But I'm also so grateful that we have uh, a competent enough team here that we can pull from all these different teachers and all these different preachers from our own congregation other than just Pastor Ben. Uh, And that Pastor Ben, that he trusts uh, me, um, that he trusts all these other guys to share. Uh, I just want to say I'm incredibly thankful. Thank you for trusting us. Uh, to share the word. I know, uh, you know, the, the weight that comes with it. So thank you. Uh, and I want you guys to know that we are a better and we are a stronger church because we get to hear different perspectives and different takes. And it's not just one person holding the keys uh, to knowledge, uh, but that we all get to kind of grow together as we hear different people uh, share and preach from God's word. Um, and I also think it's crazy. I'm just going to keep going. I'm, 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 I'm on a rabbit trail here. But uh, that I get to take three weeks away from leading worship, that typically I'm up here almost every week, and that I get to take three weeks out of a whole month away uh, from leading worship, and that the worship team didn't skip a beat. If you guys have been here the past few weeks, it has been powerful. It has been amazing. I've been watching online, and I'm blown away. Um, and I love to see how God is using the people in our congregation uh, to lead, to serve him, and the way Way that they're using their talents. And so I just want to thank the worship team. Uh, for those of you who have served the past few weeks, uh, thank you uh, for, for how you've served and, and the good job that you guys have done while I've been away on vacation. Um, man, you guys are great. Um, I started off July, uh, which is why I wasn't uh, leading worship the first couple of weeks. I took two weeks off to go on vacation. I did some schoolwork. We saw some family, both from my side and from Kyle's side of the family. And maybe that doesn't sound like a lot to you guys, uh, but it was the longest I've ever been away from work in almost seven years. Um, and a lot of the teachers here, you're like, man, like, I'm, I'm off work for three months out of every year. Um, and I'm jealous. I'm jealous after two weeks. I'm like, man, I want more. Uh, but the first few days of our vacation, uh, what I loved is Kyle and I, we got to spend some time with her mom and dad. And we actually even got to see her niece and her husband and their little girl as well. And uh, Kyle's dad, Bill, he served, he is a, a Vietnam veteran. And her niece's husband, Mitch, uh, he currently serves as an army ranger. And so many, more, uh, many of the mornings, those first few days were on vacation. You know, it's, it's all these men get up early and we make ourselves coffee and we sit around swapping stories before all the women wake up. And it was this really uh, great thing. Um, but by men, I mean that Bill and Mitch, they typically shared their mutual experience in the army. And I just kind of sat silent. Um, 
staring, maybe gawking um, in amazement. Maybe my mouth was ajar. Um, I was still waking up, I don't remember. But you can imagine, right, who Bill's favorite in-law is. We all know who Bill's favorite in-law is, right? You know, Mitch just finished his master's degree about a month ago in counterterrorism, uh, right? And I'm working on my master's degree in practical theology with a focus on leadership. So, you know, it doesn't quite have uh, the same ring to it, I guess. But Kyle's dad, he has all of these powerful stories of his time in Vietnam, as well as time he, uh, he was overseas as a child uh, with his mom and his stepdad, Gary. And Kyle's dad, he's also this amazing writer. You can look up his books. Uh, they're great. Bill McDougal, look him up, William McDougal. And uh, so he does this amazing job of weaving in different stories from history and his childhood and his time at Vietnam. And I just remember there were oftentimes those first few days in the morning where uh, me and Mitch, we just kind of sat there and we were so transfixed and caught up in the powerful stories that uh, Kyle's dad, that he would share. And, and one morning, he was finishing up this story on his life, and, and he went off, and he was going to make the family breakfast. And me and Mitch, we got to talking alone. And as we were sitting there, Mitch, he said something, and it stuck with me through the rest of vacation. It's been something I've been still dwelling on, um, even while uh, after being home. And he said that rarely do you see someone who's a good soldier spouse and parent. He said either they're a great soldier and a terrible spouse and parent, or they're a great spouse and parent, but they're a really lousy and a really lazy and undisciplined soldier. And he said that he loved to hear Bill's stories about his and his stepdad Gary's lives because it was so evident that they figured out a way to kind of excel and be great at all three of them. And, and what was great about it was Mitch is a new dad himself, and so he's really paying attention to all these things. And I think uh, he as well, he's cracking this code of what it means to be a great husband, dad and soldier and so it was great our first few days there just seeing Mitch play with their you know their little daughter and uh, they were out in the pool they were doing all these crazy things and here's this guy that you know if his co-worker saw him would be so shocked because he's this decorated uh, army ranger but here he is you know having a, a great time in the pool um, and being such a great husband and dad but this concept it really stuck in my head and it's still sticking in my head that and it could be true uh, about following Jesus as well right and sometimes we can be great at our jobs or, or good parents or loving spouses, and we can really stink at following Jesus. Or sometimes we get so involved in church and ministry that we neglect our families or we fail to be a light or a witness to our community. You know, our only friends end up being our uh, Christian friends from church, and we fail to actually be Christians out in the world. Or our light, maybe it doesn't reach beyond the four walls of our household, you know? And so we become good at doing church, but we become maybe lousy uh, neighbors or lousy citizens or lousy friends. So we're finishing this series called Powerful Prayers um, this week, and we're looking at a prayer that Paul wrote to the church of Colossae. And so if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. And in this prayer, I want you to see Paul's heart for the Colossian church, that he is encouraging this church that is new in their faith to live lives worthy of their calling. How can they be good Christians on top of everything else they're doing? What does it mean to have a strong faith? And so with that, let's get into today's scripture. In Colossians chapter 1, verses uh, 9 through 12, it says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. 
We continually ask God to what? We continually ask him to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Why? Why does he ask that? So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his glorious people in the kingdom of light. So the first thing that sticks out to me is uh, something that we've talked about through this series, and you can see what is important to Paul and what he thinks is important to God by the things that he's praying for. So just as our bank account shows our priorities, so do our prayers. And so if the only time we uh, pray is to ask God for things or when we're frustrated or down or maybe uh, if you were like me growing up, you know, only over your food or only when you're in a crisis, what does that say about our priorities? When you pray to God uh, for your kids, what do those prayers sound like? Do they sound like Paul's prayers here or do they sound more like the American dream? See, Paul isn't praying that the Colossians are blessed financially. He isn't praying for them not to have struggles. He isn't praying that they accomplish their dreams or even that they have happy lives. What he is hoping for the church and the reason he is writing them is that they will grow in knowledge and wisdom regarding Jesus and their faith. He wants their lives to be lives that are pleasing to the Lord. So Paul, he almost appears to be like a spiritual father here. And I almost, you know, compare him to Mitch. Uh, that he hasn't met, you know, these believers in Colossae, but he was introduced to their pastor, uh, Epaphras. And he actually introduced Epaphras to the faith. And now he's writing to encourage these guys to grow up in their faith. That he wants them to take charge of their relationship with Jesus and to live a life worthy of their calling. And so ultimately, this is more of a prayer about spiritual maturity than anything. And this is something else that's been discussed uh, throughout this sermon series, that in every single prayer that we've studied, there has been a so that statement. Um, I don't know if you remember that. It's been addressed a couple times. But Paul is praying for the Ephesians to grow in wisdom so that they may know Jesus better. He also prays that they have endurance and strength so that Christ will dwell in their hearts. He's praying for the Philippians that their love and knowledge grows so that they have better discernment. And here he's praying that the Colossians grow in knowledge so that they may live lives worthy of their calling and may please the Lord. See, every uh, prayer that Paul prays, it has a reason behind it. And so think of this so that statement, think of it as the why behind the prayer. That Paul has a goal in mind when he praise, that uh, this is what Pastor Doug, what he shared last week, that often we pray these small and general prayers, but what we see is that we need to be praying these bold and specific prayers that have intentional outcomes. So are you praying for a new job, maybe for your own happiness or, or your own glory sometimes or your own pride? Or are you praying for a new job so that you have new ways to have influence or, or grow or ultimately give God glory? Because you can pray and ask God for a good thing, but that doesn't mean that you have noble or good intentions. So ask yourselves this morning, when you pray 
Why are you asking God to answer that prayer? So after Paul shares his prayer uh, and goal to have Colossians be spiritually mature, he shares four ways we can live lives worthy of the Lord and be pleasing to him. And so he makes a statement of living a life worthy of the Lord followed by four uh, participles. And for all of you people who are a little removed from middle school English class, um, a participle is a verb that ends with an I-N-G. Um, and so it shows that these are something that you should be continually doing uh, throughout your lifetime. That, you know, we never really reach our destination in these areas. But if we keep pursuing them, we will live lives worthy of our calling. And so what does it look like to be spiritually mature? Uh, what does it say in Scripture? In verse 10, it says that someone who is spiritually mature should be bearing fruit in every good work. And so put it another way, um, is your life only marked by the absence of evil or is it also marked by the presence of good? Did you hear that? Is, is your life only marked by the absence of evil or is it also marked by the presence of good? What's your focus? Are you only worried about sin or are you also worried about justice and love and mercy? Because it's one thing not to do evil, but it's a whole other thing to devote our lives to actually doing good. And so this is Paul's first encouragement, and I love that he describes it as bearing fruit because these virtues, they grow in a person the longer they serve Jesus. And so to simply not sin any longer or not have sin rule in your life, it's almost like having a tree without any fruit. So you're an empty canvas, and God, he's wiped your slate clean, but the real task is to slowly grow and bear healthy fruit, to live a life dedicated to serving him, to giving him your gifts and your talents, to now do something redemptive out of which you once did something destructive. So is your life one that's marked by bad fruit, no fruit, or is your life one that is bearing good fruit? If you're still bearing bad fruit, you have to think of what you can do to stop those bad and destructive habits. Is there a way that you can redeem what was destructive and now use it for God's purpose? Or if you're someone who's bearing no fruit or bearing bad fruit, you need to figure out how you can transform those once destructive things for God's glory. And so maybe you once struggled with sobriety, and, and maybe that means you now need to be a sponsor at AA or, or start serving at Teen Challenge. Or if you were once greedy, maybe it means that you can now help people find financial freedom. Or maybe you just need to funnel those idle talents into something good. So maybe some of you here, you've raised godly kids and you've taught them how to serve the Lord, but you haven't really passed on those mentoring gifts to anyone else. And so maybe you need to start serving in Gateway Kids, or maybe you need to host a connect group. Or maybe you have skills in starting a business or running a ministry. Or maybe you have uh, the time and energy to get connected when we launch CityServe here in the fall. Is our focus only on not bearing bad fruit, or are we intentionally bearing and growing good fruit as well? The next thing that Paul says is that those who are spiritually mature, that they're growing in their knowledge of God. So if you're here this morning and you're watching, you're tuning in, or if you're online, hey, good job. Way to go. Like, give yourself a pat on the back. Like, you're doing this one. You're doing this one. You are succeeding at this task. 
And just like you're tuning in today or you're watching today or, or you know, you're struggling to stay awake today, uh, Paul might even be writing this whole letter to the Colossians for the same reason, to help them increase their knowledge about Jesus. Uh, that just as the Colossians, you know, got to read that letter, uh, they were succeeding in that task, just like you are this morning. But when was the last time you read your Bible or you read a book about Jesus? Or, or when was the last time you had to Google what a term meant about Jesus or about theology or about the faith? Or when was the last time someone challenged you and made you really think about what you believed? Or, or when was the last time you actually just listened to someone you disagreed with just to understand their position and not to respond or tell them they're wrong? Or when was the last time you journaled or you took notes about something that God was revealing to you? Or when was the last time you had a conversation with someone about Jesus? Or even after you had that conversation with someone about Jesus, what if you had to go and actually study and look up answers to the questions they had because you actually didn't know how to respond? See, part of loving God with all we are, it means not only loving him with our hearts and our souls, but also with our minds as well. So if the only time we learn about God is here on Sunday mornings, then we're missing out on all that he is. And so Paul, he's almost seeing the Colossians like children uh, who need to be given milk and they need to be spoon-fed truths about Jesus. And he's trying to help them to be able to eat meteor truths and to dig and find food and their own nourishment and be able to eat for themselves. And I remember uh, graduating from high school and I went to Bible college and I was this budding, you know, student ready to learn about God. And I entered Bible college feeling pretty confident. I uh, was in my youth group and I was, you know, kind of just uh, eating up God's word. And I went in feeling like I had a, a pretty good pulse on God and, and God's word. Then all of a sudden I started sitting in class and realizing, man, there's a lot I don't know. Like, I don't know what all these terms mean. I don't know. I've never read that or I've never heard about that take in the Bible. Or I don't know Greek, so I really don't know, um, you know, what translation to even trust. And all of a sudden, you know, I uh, started taking credit hour after credit hour and class after class. And I read book after book and page after page after page. And finally, it took until about two years into Bible college, being a full-time student, dedicating my life to studying the Bible and full-time coursework for two years, that I finally felt like I had the knowledge that every Christian should have regarding their handling of God's Word. You know, it's one thing to love someone, but just like every other relationship we have, we need to foster and invest in loving them deeper and more meaningful if we want that relationship to grow and last. And so imagine uh, being married to someone for 20 years. I know some of you guys have been married uh, for 20 years or, or more and only remembering uh, what you learned about that person in the first date. You know, you don't even know their middle name and you've been married for them to, uh, for 20 years. And, um, and I think that's how some people treat their relationship with God. You know, some people uh, may think that Jesus' middle name is H. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, think, I think there are some people like that. But, you know, people say they love God, but they, they don't really care to know one more. And so I want you to know, I would love uh, to recommend a book or two. Uh, we could start sh shallow. We can go deep. But I would love to recommend a book for you to read 
Or even better, we do these things. If you leave uh, today and you look out in the lobby, we have these things that are called soap Bible reading, where we read uh, two or three chapters out of God's Word every day. And I want to encourage you, take one with you and really dive into God's Word and, and start taking notes. SOAP stands for Scripture Observation Application and Prayer. So you just make observation statements. What's going on? And then you make applications. How can I take what's going on and apply it? to my life. I, I would love for you to do that. Or, or maybe uh, it means that you should be joining one of our Connect Group summer sessions coming up just next week because my prayer, it's like Paul's, that we would be bearing good fruit and also growing in our knowledge of God. But Paul then says, he says that those who are spiritually mature, that they're being strengthened with all power. In Colossians 1.11 it says, uh, that they were being strengthened with all power according to what? According to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. So here we see a couple of things about what it means to have strength. And the first thing uh, is about, uh, about strength is that it is totally 100% from God. Uh, that this statement from Paul, instead of it being about strength, it's actually more about reliance and dependence on God. And so instead of seeing the Colossians as ones having strength themselves and just needing to grow in that strength, he is encouraging them to live lives surrendered to God and trusting that he is able to do anything. That God's power, it's out of this world. And so why would they lean on their own strength? And so think of this, it this way. This is something I got from Google. So if it's wrong, it's not my fault. It's Google's fault. Uh, just a quick illustration, so, you know, just a, a quick little search. But an ant, a little tiny ant, uh, believe it or not, can lift about 5,000 times their own body weight. And so can you imagine that? That would be like me, and don't do the math, that would be like me being able to lift over a million pounds. And so can you picture me lifting up a cargo jet? Right? Or maybe picture your little child, you know, laying down on the ground and bench pressing their school bus, right? Because that's about the same thing proportionately. And even though an ant, though, even though it can lift 5,000 times its own body weight, that's nothing compared to these quaint size 11 shoes. And it's probably nothing compared to your small child size 3 tennis shoe. And that's because we're on a completely different playing field from an ant. And so it doesn't matter how strong the ant is proportionately, even at their strongest, they can still be squashed under the shoe of the frailest human. In the same way, our strength, it pales in comparison compared to God's strength. And because we're relying on God's strength, we can have endurance and patience in any situation. And that's what Paul says about being strengthened, that it leads to patience, uh, which really doesn't make sense if you think about uh, things being in our own strength, right? But it does make sense when we think of relying on God and his strength. So even when things seem hopeless and even when things aren't going our way, we serve a God who has the final say. We serve a God who gets to show off his strength when we are weak. And because uh, when we're weak and when we're hopeless, uh, we can't take the credit when God answers our prayers and when God shows up. If we can't do it on our own, it might show that our dreams are actually God-sized dreams. And when we're weak, 
You know what it does? It leaves room for the miraculous. It leaves room for the church to actually be the hands and feet of Jesus and meet needs. And it shows our dependence and our need in something bigger than ourselves. So if you struggle with patience, if you struggle with letting go of control, maybe you just need to learn to trust God and his strength. And I love, Paul doesn't say that God's strength leads to answered prayers. I, and maybe, that, maybe you don't love that, uh, but I love it. Uh, Paul doesn't say that God's strength that leads to answered prayers, but that it leads to patience and endurance. And God's strength, it reminds us of his return, that even in the midst of hardship, that God is bringing his kingdom to this earth. That even if things suck right now, he is still restoring all things. That even maybe when a loved one passes away from cancer or from sickness, that there is still new life in eternity. That God is restoring all things. And we may see those things restored on this side of eternity, but ultimately he will restore all things when he returns. And it's because of this that we can have patience and we can have endurance because he's here in our midst, that he's making all things new, that his mercies are new every morning, that his forgiveness is open and available to anyone who is willing to come take up their cross and follow him because he has the final say and he isn't finished with you yet. He isn't finished with this country. He isn't finished with your family or your neighbor, Jesus has the final say. And so we can stand strong in him and his strength. So we can be spiritually mature when we're bearing good fruit, when we're growing in knowledge, when we're being strengthened in God's power, and by continually giving joyful thanks to God. And that's our last point today. And, and, and Paul, he purposefully put this principled point at the periphery of his participles. Okay, maybe I was trying to do a little bit of what Rocky did a couple weeks ago with the alliteration. Uh, how'd I do? Did I do okay? Was that all right? Yeah? Do, do you need to hear it again? All right. So Paul purposefully put this principled point at the periphery of his participles. Right? Yeah. Amen. Amen. But regardless of what I said, this truth still stands, right? That Paul wanted thanksgiving. He wanted that to be the thing that tied all of these other points together. That the end result that we should have after bearing good fruit and growing in knowledge and being strengthened is to have joy. But joy, it's sometimes a little hard to understand, right? And that's because we equate joy with happiness or we equate joy with a feeling. But it's deeper than that, right? Because we can have joy even when we really have no reason to be happy. Or we can have joy in the midst of a dark and a depressing season. And that's because joy and thanksgiving, they're more similar to our understanding of gratitude and being grateful rather than just being happy and having a feeling. But so often we get caught up in these surface level feelings of happiness and we miss the deeper feelings of love, of gratitude, and of joy. And anyone who's been married for a long time uh, can tell you that love is much deeper and more meaningful than just plain old happiness. 
Because I can be unhappy about the toothpaste being squeezed from the middle of the bottle, or I can be uh, unhappy about the toilet paper being on the thing the wrong way. I know, really technical terms, toilet paper on the thing the wrong way, but you guys all know what I'm talking about, right? We're all in the same safe space. But, but let me tell you, that doesn't change the way I feel about Kyle. Because love and appreciation, it leads to gratefulness that overcomes small and insignificant feelings. So what does thanksgiving, what does joy, what does gratefulness, what does that all mean to Paul? Verses 12 through 14 in Colossians 1, it says that we should be giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. And, and now notice, uh, though, that Paul, he changes and shifts the subject, and he starts including himself here. He says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That our joy and our gratefulness, it comes from understanding how God has saved us, how he saved all of us, that we have been rescued from the dominion of darkness, that we were lost and now we're found. And because I have sinned, that there was a divide between me and God, but through Jesus, I have redemption and I have forgiveness. That Christ, he paid the price for my salvation and he paid the price for your salvation. Jesus paid a price that we could never pay ourselves. This is why we should have joy. Because we're made new, because we're redeemed, because we're citizens of heaven and heirs to the kingdom, we should have thanksgiving that leads to bearing good fruit, growing knowledge, and having a dependence on God and his strength. That is Paul's prayer for the Colossians. And that's my prayer for you today. If our church is spiritually mature, then imagine what God can not only do in us, but imagine what he could do through us as well. I want to invite the, the worship team to join me this morning. Um, and I want us to think through this. Really, how do we become spiritually mature? What does it mean to really find that balance of being a good soldier and spouse and parent? You know, maybe you need to grow in one of these four areas that we discussed this morning. Maybe you need to bear good fruit or grow in your knowledge or, or lean into God's strength or be more thankful. Or maybe the prayer that you need to pray is, is completely different than Paul's prayer for the Colossians. I want you to ask yourself this morning, if, if Paul were writing you, Paul were writing your family, or if, or if he were writing this church, or maybe if you were writing the whole lakeshore, what would his prayer be? What would Paul's powerful prayer be for you? What would it be for you? Let's try to apply Doug's sermon from last week too. Let's be really specific here. Would you wish that you spent less time on the TV or less time on social media or on your phone? Maybe you would wish that you would spend less time watching the news and talking about politics. Would you wish that you were a better neighbor? Would you wish that you thought about God outside of an hour a week on Sunday mornings? Would you wish that you didn't just read your Bible? Maybe he was wishing that you would read your Bible, but maybe on top of that, he's wishing that you wouldn't just read your Bible, but actually apply what it says and not be a hypocrite. 
Would you wish that you actually raise up your children to follow God instead of fixating on sports or on grades? Or maybe Paul would ask you to stop smoking or stop sleeping around or stop looking at pornography. Would he ask you to share your faith with your coworkers? Would he ask you to join a connect group at your church? Would he ask you to stop sitting on the sidelines and stop being stagnant with your life or with your faith? Maybe he would ask you to just be more thankful or be less pessimistic or, or stop gossiping and talking about other people behind their backs. What would Paul's powerful prayer be? writing to you. If our prayers show our priorities, I want my prayer to reflect God's priorities. And if my prayer, if it reflects God's prayer for me, then I know that he'll be my strength every single step of the way. So let's, like the Colossians, let's continue to grow in our faith and lean into God. with me this morning. We're going to spend our last few minutes responding. And I want this to be what's on your heart, what's on your mind as we go into this song. What would Paul's powerful prayer be if he were writing to me? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you. Thank you so much for what you've done in my life. Way you've changed my story, the way you've changed my trajectory. Lord, help me to be more thankful. Help me to stop being so pessimistic. Help me to not be so task-oriented sometimes that I miss out on having a relationship with people. Help me to not be so caught up in my mind of the next thing that I have to do that I miss the moment that you have me in right now. get so caught up in being busy myself that I just miss out on resting in you. Lord, help me to be more gracious on myself. Help me to learn how to take a breather and how to stop for a second. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to each person here that maybe they have a prayer, maybe they have an inkling of, of of what your prayer would be for them, what your heart would be for them, how you want them to grow and mature and live a life worthy of the calling that you've put on them as a son or daughter. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us in this moment, that you would challenge us. Lord, let this song be a song of surrender. accepted you as their Lord and Savior. They haven't followed after you. And Lord, I pray that you would just impress upon their hearts to make that decision today. That you are the King of Kings, that you are the Lord of Lords, and you are inviting us to be citizens of heaven.
just pray for anyone who needs to make that decision today that they will decide to follow after you and give you their lives. Lord, and I pray for this series on prayer. let my aspirations reflect you and, and your aspirations for me. And our prayers and our aspirations as a church reflect you and your aspirations for us. And these were Paul's prayers for a whole church body, for a whole assembly. Let us take that ownership ourselves, not just of our own faith, not just of our own responsibility of the community, of the people around us, of our friends, of, of the people who are sitting in the row next to us, that you've called us to be your family, and you've called us to be more spiritually mature, and so I pray that we can come alongside one another, that we can challenge one another, that we can encourage one another, that we can be people who are bearing good fruits, who are growing in knowledge, who are being strengthened, and who are incredibly thankful, and I pray that as you grow, uh, in our lives, as those priorities change, as those priorities shift in our lives, that we could be a light and a witness to our community, that we could be a light and a witness to Ferrysburg, that we could be a light and a witness to the people who are on Maple Street, to the people who are in Spring Lake, in Grand Haven, that you are calling us to be spiritually mature so that we could be a light and that we can continue to spread your kingdom. To people who are living life without you, walked in as this morning and as we leave as changed people let us be people who reflect you let your prayer for me be my prayer for me Lord Jesus and as we go we pray that you would be before us pray that you would be behind us. We pray that you would be all around us. And we give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everyone together says, amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining us this morning for service. You guys can go in the grace of God. And as you go, I just want to invite you again one more time, four o'clock, Rising Up Park. We would love to see you there, and I would love to get to know some of you guys, but go in the grace of God today. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.